Welcome listeners to Sleep, Eat, Perform and Repeat. This is a podcast on high performance. It will be presented by myself, David Clancy, and my two co-hosts, Connor Gavin and Kieran Dunn. What we're striving to achieve here is figure out what makes high-performing individuals tick, why they do what they do, and why are they successful. Rate and review, share with your friends, but most importantly, enjoy. Hey guys, so today we're speaking to Finian Witcherly, rising star with Munster Rugby. This episode is brought to you by BDO in Limerick as well as the Limerick leader. So we chat to Finian today about his journey to becoming the player he is, how he prepares mentally to take his chances and how he measures his success. We talk about what he thinks are the traits required for a sustained success. Speak about how he winds down or away from games and his recovery methods and also what he enjoys most about playing the game of rugby. So once again, thanks to BDO and Limerick as well as the Limerick Leader for helping us bring this episode to you today. If you'd like any more info on this episode or any of our other episodes, check out the website on sleepyperformrepeat.com. Hi guys, welcome to another episode of Sleepy Perform Repeat. Um, today we're joined with Finian Witcherly and I'm just going to pass over to David and we'll give you an introduction to Finian. So Finian is a Munster Pro 14 and Champions Cup lock and flanker. He's played for Young Munster in the AAL. And he's represented Ireland internationally under 20s level. And besides that, he has, he has a brother, Josh, who also plays professionally. And most important of all, to say it along with this dub beside me, this man put in a monstrous hit into Johnny Sexton in Thoman Park not too long ago. So, Finneen, how's life and what are you doing these sort of days? Uh, hey, lads, first of all, how's things? Uh, all, all good, yeah. We're just, our first day back now it was today. Uh, we had our 1k testing and uh, gym testing and this and that so it was kind of nice to get back into it we had a nice month off and um, always the first day is the worst like this so hopefully smooth sailing for us in summer life. and what what did you do in your time off you had about a month there so kind of how did you manage to just you know slow down a little bit after a busy season for you yeah so like normally like I'm from West Cork myself so I'm from Manchester. I get home too often obviously with games the weekend and things like that so uh, I went home for the first week or two and I was waiting to go to um, I got to meet up with some friends or whatever uh, from home and then I got to spend some family time and then uh, I went to college uh, to Marbella in Spain for a week just with uh, Saoirse my, my missus and um, went back there we came back for the last week and I said I'd go home again for another week and then I came back here for a couple of days just to do a bit of running or whatever and kind of prepare myself for uh, the first week it was a nice break like yeah very good so, so tell the listeners now, especially the listeners maybe across the pond in the States, when when did you start playing rugby, Finine, and how did you get into becoming the player you are today? Uh, yeah, so I kind of, I had a mixed kind of road. It probably wasn't as straightforward as I would like, but, um, so I started with that. It was massive into rugby. All my brothers played, my two sisters played, so we would have grown up in rugby big time in my house. Uh, so I played around, I'd say I started when I was about six years of age, and from there really I just, I played in inventory for up until I was about 15, I'd say. And it was coming up to my fourth year in school. <clears throat> and I've been playing with the, I was playing with the under 17s at Munster and like I picked for the 18s clubs around 16 and I had just done my fourth year in school. Yeah. And just inventory at the time, it wasn't a big sport. Obviously where we're from, it's all uh, football. It's small but early, but it's mainly football. So a lot of lads in my year and stuff would have played a lot of football and there would have been about five or six, maybe seven or eight at training. Um, 
and it just it was always something I wanted to do. I wanted to play professional rugby all, all my life, really. Like, and uh, so I kind of made a decision. I got a I got asked to Ross Cray or whatever, and my grandfather went there, and I knew it was rugby school, and <clears throat> obviously they were in Leinster Senior Cup, so it wasn't it wasn't taken down too well from all the Munster clubs <laughs> at the time. Uh, so I kind of had a few. Like my name was a little bit blackened, like for a couple of weeks, but they eventually got over it. And then I won the we won the Leinster Schools Senior Cup for the first time in Ross Grey that year when I went there in fifth year. Um, and then we got to the final year after. We got the we got to the final year after when we lost. But I mean, from there then it kind of I just think obviously with the Senior Cup in Leinster or Munster or Connacht or like Ulster, I mean it's a massive competition, and that's where being on the screen or whatever and playing rugby week in week out day in day out really like in a rugby school like that was exactly where I wanted to be and uh, it gave me a lot of opportunities so then when I left school I kind of was just almost just kind of put straight into the, the Munster, Munster Academy really because I got a chance uh, I didn't Irish 19s that year so I got a chance against uh, Ulster A Nate uh, <laughs> Ulster A's uh, and it was quite funny because I was Mick Driscoll was the coach at the time and oh wow okay um, because just was obviously the coach at the time and it was my first day down I'd never seen any lads so I was taken out of school or on my leaving start or whatever to get play this game and everyone was kind of laughing at me like you know because obviously I didn't have any of the gear I was kind of just kind of walking around <laughs> I was nervous and if you're if, if you lads like I got a text on the way down by uh, Sean McCarthy who actually got injured in the game I came on for but uh, he was texting me on the way down kind of laughing at me like you're literally going no no one will call Look, it doesn't matter you're only going to get 10 minutes at the end so I get there out but uh, around 12 minutes into the game then um, Shawnee that fellow who was texting me about he was a second row as well somebody tackled from behind I, did, I think he did his cruise shit in his knee and oh, he kind of turned around he was looking around I obviously was sitting there I think Tommy Goh was playing and Darren Cave there was there was a lot of lads playing like, so I was kind of nervous I was kind of looking around and think he's hard to put me on like 12 minutes in like I got the shot in. <laughs> I got the shot like I didn't really know what was caused it was all simple uh, from the rest of the game but I just kind of got through it and from there then I kind of got offered the academy contract out of school and I've kind of been just in around Limerick ever since. I've kind of moved to Limerick and I've been here for the last three years. Like, so. so can you remember what that must have felt like when all of a sudden, you know, not even 15 minutes gone, you're texting your man on the way down and then, all right, Fanine, in you go. How, how do you... Yeah, I just think, I just think you guys, it was... I know, he kind of looked around, I remember him looking around and he was kind of smiling and he kind of passed me with his head and I was like, oh look, I'm cleared, I'm not going to come on, it's fine. <laughs> I've only got, like, I'll come on, whenever else is wrecked, I'll just come on and kind of look at, like, not too, too much out of place, like the only fellow with a baby face, like, no, and I literally just, um, and he came back, he looked back at me, kind of gave me a smile, he was like, oh, it's your time, like, clean your hand, like, oh, God. and I was kind of like, jeez, I was just nervous, but uh, I just got through, like, you know, like, my parents and stuff were there and, and uh, my brothers and stuff, which is nice. And just got through it then, and I've kind of just been in the Munster kind of set up ever, ever since, really. Like, I was lucky in that way. Very good. That somebody gave me a chance. That's brilliant, Sam. It's a great story. And just one thing you said that we've had a few people say before on the podcast is taking the chance and when the opportunity presents itself. Is there anything you'd say to young uh, players or people listening about how do you prepare mentally to take your chance, like, when that's presented to you? Obviously, it was presented quite early there. For you, so is there anything you do to keep yourself in the right mindset? Like obviously, at a young age, what I would say is like you have to enjoy it. Like you have to enjoy the rugby, and you have to. There's certain things you have to take seriously, and there's certain times you have to take it seriously more than other times. But I just think like always kind of expect the unexpected. Like obviously, I would have never thought coming down to that game that I was going to get that that come on after 12 minutes, and I was all in my head the whole way down 
it's something I learned after, but all the way down, I probably was like, oh, look, I'm only going to get 20 minutes. Don't worry about it. You're going to be fine. You'll come on when everyone else is tired, and that's it. Well, I think after that game, I started to realise that, like, so you just, you never know when you're going to get your shot, like, and you always want to be ready. Mm. So, like, what I would say is just that, like, if you if you want to progress in, in the sport, like, that we're kind of in, or that we're talking about, like, is you just always have to be expected and expected because there's so many injuries that go on, and you just never know two or three injuries that you could be a starting player. You just, you're just putting yourself in a situation, you're doing yourself an injustice by not knowing the role of, of players in your position. Yeah, well, that must be difficult. Finney, give, give us a little bit on, like, how do you define success for yourself? You know, is it is it a win-loss? Is it a try scored? Maybe turning the ball over or putting in a monstrous hit? Kind of, you going forward into next season, you're playing a Champions Cup game. What are you looking for in order to say, yeah, I played well, that's a good game for me, I'm going to get the nod for the next day? Uh, it's a good question because you obviously there's so many things you can mark yourself off. You can, I know fellas who, if they don't make ten tackles in a game or they don't make ten carries, they're not happy or whatever. But like for me, I just think I used to be very much into that. Like I used to be very much into numbers. And if if I say if I had been over my day, but number in my head, sorry, um, ten tackles this game. I want like twelve carries. I want at least a turnover. Uh, but I think I've kind of I've, not that I've gone away from it, but I, I just I think the game is different now that. It's not solely done in numbers. It's obviously like everyone's got a job, and I think if I'm doing my job, I, I can just kind of I can judge that if I've done my job right in that game, I'm, I'm happy myself. Like obviously everybody's got a, their own role, and I think that like certain players are going to get high, high numbers in tackles because that's their role, or certain players are going to be better at ball carrying, so that's their role. I don't think everybody can, not everybody can carry the ball as well. So there's no point in putting yourself in a situation where if you're not as good at something, like play to your strengths is what I, what I would say is that like. That's what I kind of judge myself off. If I'm doing what I'm good at in the game and if I'm, if I'm adding something to the team, I think I, I'm happy with, with my performances. Excellent, yeah. And, and just in terms of, you mentioned numbers and stuff and you mentioned gym testing earlier, who's putting up the best numbers today? I'll be honest, lads. I'll have to be honest. I'm very disappointed after today. Oh, God. I was one second behind the old fellow Billy Island every year. <laughs> <laughs> I almost myself I'm like I think I have to beat him by at least a second or two but he's just so good at it like, <laughs> I, just, I came in so it was 1k test again so last year he lost he beat me by one second and this year again he's after beating me by a second I don't know what it is I think he's just I know he just he just he's just too stubborn to actually give it to me I like, just give me a chance like, and let me win once like, but uh, I'll try to catch him next year if I can so, so talk to us a little bit about someone like that, right? Billy Holland, Mick O'Driscoll back in the day. What are kind of important traits that you would say a player who's sustained success at a really high level, has played internationally, played provincially, lots of caps for a sustained period of time, what kind of traits do you look for in that sort of a player that you might say, I'd like to take a little bit of that for myself. I'm only 21. I'm only kicking on into my professional career now. Uh, I think someone like Billy like, is just very selfless. You know, like... He just he does everything for the team, and somebody like that is going to get picked in week in week out. Like, as in if, if people obviously don't like things that point, things that don't get seen on TV, like video, the amount of video of Billy, someone like Billy does for the team. Like he might not get started every week, is and obviously because because Tigers came or whatever, and there's obviously that battle between between us all to get selected. But the amount of work that Billy does in the background is is something phenomenal. I think it's something massively valued in Munster, obviously. But I think like in every single club and every single player. The players who stand up or who are doing the selfless work in the background, I think, like they're the ones that get valued the most. I know, like, they might not be the best player on the pitch, but it's the work they're doing in the background for the team, not for themselves. 
it's for the group as, as a whole. Like, And then when it comes to winning a cup or winning a, a trophy, I think it's those kind of players that get valued, but maybe not by the people in the public, but by the people around them, like by the people who know how much work they've done for this team over the last year or the last couple of seasons. Absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. And just in terms of work off the field and things, what we've been um, sort of seen a theme across other podcasts as well that we've done and other people we've spoke to is the importance of recovery and how important that seems to be and nearly getting away from the game sometimes. Is there anything you do yourself to move away from rugby, say, to wind down, to reset, to reframe your focus again? What sort of things do you get up to? Oh, like the, around around uh, these breaks and stuff, or like say we just have to come back from a break there now. Like, and I just feel for me, like, all I, I don't want to watch, like, obviously, I watch Josh's World Cup games, of course. But like, the last thing I want to do is sit down and watch a rugby game. I think it's just the right thing to do is just to cut everything out from it, like, and just give yourself that couple of weeks to, like, you just you make yourself you're hungry to go when you, when you get into first week, then you when you get a ball back in your hand and, and you're watching more games and you're doing video. It all becomes more enjoyable. Whereas if you're doing that all year round, I just think that you need to switch off. You need to be able to switch off and uh, and and just really give yourself that proper break from it, rather than rather than just thinking that you're doing a bit here and there, like or you're, or you're just staying in touch with it. But in hindsight, really, what's a couple of weeks? Like you know, you can take yourself a couple of weeks and go into a preseason hungry and ready to go. Like absolutely. I spent a lot of time with a lot of young professional athletes over the last, say, five, six years, Fini, and what I've seen more evolve with that sort of realm of sport is players looking at themselves and, and being self-critical and self-analyzing themselves with video. You know, so they've played a game and they're on the bus or they're playing home and they've been, the coach maybe has given them a video of things they've done well and things they haven't done so well. Like, how much do you pay heed to that? Or would you be very kind of self-appraising of yourself in the game already? Like, do you still say... And I, I want to see what I've done after the game to really understand what I did. What's your kind of feeling on that? Well, uh, when, I, when I was in school, it was the first place I actually I, I ever seen a, a video or, or critical feedback properly from coaches. Like obviously, we have coaches come up to me like, "Oh, you played well there, or you did something well there, or whatever." But like proper hard like video uh, video analysis, video mm. meetings. That would, I've never seen that in, in Bantry until I came to Ross Gray. Yeah. I think it's so important. I think it's something we value a lot. But like, who I would have valued opinion all the time it would be my daddy. Be the first person I'd ask, "Oh, what did you think of that game?" Or how do you think I played there? And I was always the person who I'd mark off. Yeah. And he'd always, you know, he was fairness all the way through. He was always very good at saying, "Oh, you played very well." But he was also very good at saying, "I didn't think you played well there," or "You need to brush up on this," or "You need to get fitter," or "I think you can do this better." He was always, he was always the person who, whose opinion I'd, I'd value a lot. Uh, but I think. Outside of that, like when when you come into the professional game, I think the amount of video you have to do uh, on the outside to make yourself, uh, sorry, behind the scenes to make yourself better on the day is huge. Uh, not even looking at opponents or looking back to your own game and being critical on yourself, but also taking, I think, being open to to advice on certain things from different coaches and and take, being able to take it on the chin. I think any players I've played with who can't take criticism or find it difficult to look at a game they've played badly and you have to be able to be excited to look at it again that you played badly and as much as you played well and I think like people who just avoid games that they played bad and oh look I'm not going to look at that like I played badly I think they're, those kind of players that never get the chance to progress because they're not looking at their mistakes to be able to change them you know what I mean they're not they're like not, I think it's all well good to watch a game where you played and you, you played unbelievably well and you feel great about yourself for the next couple of weeks but then when it comes to a game where you played poorly no, no one really wants to go look at a game that you play poorly in, but if you don't look at it, you don't you don't get a chance to see your mistakes. 
So I think, I think it's very important. Yeah, I think it was, would be very important. Very Absolutely. Good. Yeah, yeah. Because going and self-evaluating, going to the pain of, of bad performances and looking at objectively and trying to find out where your weaknesses are is the part of improving and learning, isn't it? Well, yeah. Well, exactly. Yeah. It's in like, obviously, you get your own self... Um, get your own self-criticism but I, I think you have to be able to trust the coach as well and you have to be able to take criticism from other people and like, a lot, like that's one thing that I've seen a lot of very very good at um, being open to take criticism and it's something that I've gotten better at over the years but I think before I would have shot that out if a coach came at me being like oh, I think you can do better here when I was younger I, felt, I found that difficult whereas now I feel like I'm open to that like or if, if a coach thinks I can do something better I'll always take their advice on board and, and challenge them if I don't think they're right, but take their advice on if I think that if I think they are right. Brilliant. I recently read somewhere that you used to bring protein shakes to GEA training. Jesus, that quote's going everywhere. <laughs> Jesus, like I literally said that once you know, about two or three years ago. Yeah, it's following me on. <laughs> Look, it's not a bad thing, and we're interested in, as I mentioned, recovery and stuff here as well. Um have you what sort of food and stuff and um recovery Protein, drinks, anything like that. What are you eating at the moment? Uh, yeah, like I, that was just I was years ago when I was I was down to start off in Munster. I was uh, I was in the under sixteens or something like that, and we'd been given this big long talk about like homemade smoothies and getting like your certain ones of protein and stuff like that like and that was something I was just I was interested in at the time and it was just just trying to stay on top of it and see what it was like to actually properly properly recover because obviously when you're younger you just you, know, you you leave the pitch and you think that you're warming down or you might even warm down you might even just get into the car after a game and you kind of forget about it and you wonder why you're still sore about four days later after a big game but um, I think now it's it's so important because there's such a, tur- a short turnaround you know in in the weeks you literally have a game on a Saturday you might have a game on a Saturday evening and before you know it you're back in on a Monday morning and you have to be ready to go like Mondays might not be as difficult, but you've only got one day really in the week that properly matters, and that's Sunday. Like, and if you, well, it's easy to take a day off, and it's easy just to not do anything for that day. But if you're not doing some sort of recovery, it doesn't have to be, you know, a ridiculous thing either. It's just, it's just be something easy, like like properly resting and taking time out. You just don't come in right for the Monday afternoon. I think you're just doing yourself an injustice for the week, the next game coming up. You know, because three or four games in a row doing that. Come the last game, you're you're about twenty percent off. You've lost about five percent each week, and it comes to about twenty or twenty five percent less than what you can perform. And I just think you're just doing yourself an injustice. We're not properly recovering. Yeah, agreed. Fine. To the to the people that might know a lot about the game of rugby, tell us tell us what aspects of it you find one the most difficult that you have to embrace every day, and what you most enjoy about the game. What keeps bringing you back to the game of rugby? For me, the challenge probably is is not so much selection like twenty uh, all the time, but it's it's something that like people probably don't see. But like one day it's going to be difficult. You're going in on a Monday and you felt like you played well at the weekend, but other players come back and and you get you know you get pushed back two or three places and, and you're not selected for a couple of weeks. And you but you still have to keep improving. You still have to be able, you have to be ready to go every week. That can be difficult after two or three times of that during the season of like players coming back and maybe you getting pushed back a spot or two and and you still you're waiting for your chance waiting for your chance and then maybe your chance doesn't come that's probably the most difficult thing in rugby I think for me anyway or the professional game but I haven't been in it long but for the two or three years that I have been in around this that's probably been the most difficult thing uh, about us but also just the enjoyment of the challenge then you know what I mean if it was easy to get into a team all the time 
I don't think I'd enjoy it as much. It's it's a it's a good challenge with players around you, and obviously in Munster, there's some exceptional players in my position that I have to challenge with every, every week. Or and when they come back from Irish camp, or, or when players are improving from underneath from the academy and stuff, it's a great place to be in. Like and I, I do enjoy the challenge of it. Like and obviously playing big games in Tolman Park and growing up in Munster, all I've ever wanted to do is play for Munster, and I've been lucky enough uh, to get as as many caps as I had so far. Anyway, brilliant, yeah, and. Just moving on a bit. Um, in terms of current sports and stuff like that, what you're watching, are there any athletes out there that you currently admire, even business people that you admire, that they have habits or traits that you want to try and bring into your own life and try and bring into your own game? Players-wise, I don't. Maybe maybe players-wise, someone like maybe just in Ireland, just as an example, maybe uh, maybe Sean O'Brien, just. How resilient he is as a as a person, just to keep coming back. Like obviously he's had a very difficult year, and he's he's broke his arm twice. He's done his shoulder. I think he's done his hamstring, and then and then he got back from that. And then now he's after he's after injuring his hip. I think someone like that, like it, it's obviously it's a thing. I've I haven't I've been lucky like touchwood that I haven't got too many injuries, but I just feel like someone like that with his capability, just to keep coming back and keep coming back for more. I think that's something I'd love to be able to probably improve on a bit more and just being being just so resilient and belief in yourself to keep going like before we get into our our big three questions Finian, i'd like you to relive a moment for us tell us a little bit about your first memory with monster putting on the jersey uh, my first moment was not not the greatest one we played scarlet in Thornton park and it was i got called down from Irish 20s and i was supposed to get my first chance or whatever and I remember all my family came up to Tone Park. I was supposed to play in Tone Park. And I was on the bench and I was waiting around. I was literally the only one that hadn't been brought on to stage. And we, we were getting beaten by Scarlets. Um, and I just literally whisked final whistle blue. And I was just so disheartened that I hadn't, that I hadn't been picked. And I just think the following week, I went in with such a positive mindset that I was going to play no matter what against the Cardiff, the Cardiff Blues. Um, and like all week, everyone was, was so supportive and... And it just made everything sweeter when I got the chance to come down and carry the flues and just and literally just walking down towards the pitch. It was just surreal. Like, and I remember just having the players, the players, when I was coming on, just you know, giving me a word of confidence as I was jogging over. It was just for a restart was coming in. That was probably just one of the massive memories I can just think of now. This as my first cap, just literally just running onto the pitch and the players that like I would have watched on TV for years and the players I would have looked up to are here now just like encouraging me on my first cap with them you know what I mean that was probably that was probably just one of the things that stand out to me and as well obviously the Leinster game last year was it was something that I obviously always had a dreamt of um, playing in Thorne Park on at Christmas time was something I, I went to loads of games with my parents or my brothers and dad like and then obviously getting the chance in Thorne Park a packed out stadium like that it was it was an unbelievable day David was at it, I think. I think he done quite well. I don't know. Okay, I was. I just tried to keep. Just tried to do a simple, uh, simple things right as best I could. Really, I didn't try to do anything too fancy. I just tried to to uh, to not do anything wrong rather than do anything massively right. It's funny you said that. We've heard that from athletes that are in their mid thirties or thirty and have played in the Super Bowl, and they've had some some games. And what they always come back to is just do the simple things right. You know, keep the head yeah, like, down, just focus on the games, I remember just going into it and just thinking, not that like I was like trying to uh, close myself off and go into a shell. I was, I was trying to express myself as best I could as a young player. But like, I was just think in those games, you don't want to do anything that you're going to put the team in 
Jeffrey, you just want to get through it and, and try to do as best you can. And just and just go back to what you know. Like, don't try to do anything too outrageous or too fancy or whatever. Just try to do go back to what you know, like back to the basics, really. Excellent. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you just three questions over to me and I'll pass back over to David. So the first one is, um, what does high performance mean to you? It's hard to explain, but uh, high performance to me would be doing every single thing you can as professionally as you can. Very good, very good. Um, the next one would be, so let's say you had got onto the pitch um, earlier in one of the games and you miss a tackle or you break off the line too early um, and you, something goes wrong. What do you do to reframe yourself, to get back into the mindset or when something wrong happens, what do you do? Uh, for me, I, I just have the next next job mentality would probably would be the only thing I'd say. It's something I've been coached from a young age, just always have the next next job mentality and your next action has to be better than the last one. That's all I've, I've tried to do over the last couple of years. That's a good approach, yeah. And the last one is, what's the big three in your life at the moment, be it professionally or personally, or both? Family, playing for Munster, and making myself better. Fini, I'm going to ask you a couple of quick-fire ones, and then we're going to wrap up a little bit. T- tell me, besides Bantry, because you're going to be biased, okay? And I, I'm uh, a Limerick man, and we're not going to even mention where this fellow's from because he's from the ro- wrong part of Ireland. Up to those. If <laughs> s- somebody who's never been to Ireland, where else around Ireland would you recommend that person visits? Uh, Galway. Or Galway. Or Clarny. Or Clarny. Okay, it's a tie. It, a, a leader. Munster have had a lot of big leaders and captains through the years. What for you, essentially, does it boil down to that what made Paul O'Connell Mick? Mick Galway, Anthony Foley, Ronan O'Gara, these sort of guys, leaders or special players for Munster? Uh, they were ridiculously selfish and everything was for the team. And now, um, did you hear what the IRB announced today? I didn't. Well, the IRB phoned us here up in Dublin and they said, you better tell Finneen this later on and ask him. And I went, all right, tell us. So the game of rugby has been changed on the cusp of the World Cup, okay? So it's no longer 15 men, but it's also not sevens. There's only three players on the paddock, right? So you can pick one forward, one back, and a nine or ten. So of players you've currently been playing with, or players you played with in the past, who makes your three players? So it can be one forward, one nine, one ten. One nine or ten, a forward and a back. You have to have someone in the middle to link the forwards and the backs, and he can be a scrum half or an out half. I go Murray. So it's Connor Murray for everyone. Connor Murray. Half, Ireland um, Monster Scrum Half. I'll go Dave Kikoyne as the forward. And I'll go... Killer. Wow, okay. I'll go as the killer. Back. Chris Farrell. Chris Farrell. Oh, that's a pretty... That's an embrace of front. That's a big yeah. three. That is. You're not getting... <laughs> it is, isn't it? You're not getting... There's a lot of football there. There's a lot of... Too many backdoor balls there. But you're getting, you're getting the nod after 12 minutes to come on, Fineen. Now. I probably won't be going on prop like so. You'll be, you'll be going on a scrum half. in thirteen, like in face, like face might do me an injustice there. <laughs> Finine, Kieran and myself are really grateful you came on today. You are very much the epitome of high performance. That's why I reached out to you a couple of weeks ago, and, and we're really thankful you came on because you're on the cusp of doing something special. You know, you're only twenty-one. You're involved in Munster Rugby a couple of years now at the professional level, and we both wish you all the best going forward. Stay fit. Stay healthy. And thanks again. 